Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Purple Insider is presented by Oakley. Express yourself. Build a look that's made for you. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Try it for yourself. Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality. So head on over to oakley.com for more information today. of Purple Insider inside TCO Performance Center. Matthew Collar with Will Raggetts of Sports Illustrated. And uh, Will, I have written down a list of 423 observations from OTAs in minicamp, and you are going to react to my list. Are you ready? I am ready. I do not believe that there are 423 items on there, but I'm, I'm ready. Wow, you caught me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, are, there are a lot. So we can rapid fire them. But we have to start with what we just heard from Kirk Cousins. And my note is Kirk Cousins is fine playing without a contract extension. He told us in, what was it, workouts, phase one, that uh, he was fine with it. He went on a whole thing where he said, well, back in high school, I didn't know where I was going to play in college. And we were like, okay, pal, we get it, right? We get it. And today he said... Well, uh, you know, we'll look at that next March. So I don't know if that means that he's done looking at that or his agent is or the Vikings are and they've made that clear to him and we can put off any discussions. I don't know if that's a blow off answer. Very much could be. But it seems to me that my headline is the fact of the matter here that no matter what happens, Kirk is fine with it. There's not going to be holdouts. He was fully participating. He wasn't like standing on the side or something. Wasn't, you know, folding his arms or it wasn't a hold in. It was him completely playing quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings the way he always had in minicamp. And in comparison to some of his compadres here, that's an interesting approach for a guy who doesn't have a contract in the future. It is. And and I had kind of not even really thought about that in a while. Like I, it had just kind of been settled in my mind that, all right, Kirk's playing the last year in his contract and, and we'll worry about it next year. And I think it's a, it's a really valid question because that's an unusual situation when you have a franchise quarterback, a guy who just took you to the playoffs last year and he's going into the last year of his contract. So it's natural to, to wonder, have there maybe been any extension talks since, you know, they didn't draft a quarterback and, and the, the future is unsettled, but he almost seems surprised by the question. He just seems to be, I'm, I'm locked in on this season. I'm going to do whatever I can in, in year two in this offense um, and, and to show that I'm still a really good quarterback in this league and, and put up better numbers than I did last year and, and try to win close to as many games, if not as many games uh, as they did last year. And, and then we'll figure it out uh, next spring. And I think it kind of makes sense from his perspective. He has made enough money and he is at a point in his career where 
Like, I don't know that he has to really be worried about the long-term job security. He's 35 years old. If he plays well this year, some team is going to give him a lot of money next year to be their starting quarterback because there just aren't that many starting caliber, top 10 to 12 caliber quarterbacks in the NFL. Somebody's going to do it, whether that's the Vikings in continuing down that path or maybe we would prefer whether that's somebody else in the Vikings finally decide to go in another direction. I don't know, but... It, it makes sense from Cousins' perspective, and he's 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 done it before on the on the franchise tag in Washington, and uh, he's a guy who likes to bet on himself, and he's doing it again this year. So I don't want to get into like everything regarding that because this is rapid fire, and there's yeah. a lot of things to discuss. But now the door is open to a lot of different stuff. It has been asked by some Vikings fans, like, "Hey, what if they started out really bad? Like, could they trade him to somebody whose quarterback gets hurt?" Remember how many quarterbacks got hurt last year? The answer is maybe, yes. I, like, I don't know. Or if they do well, could he sign an extension next March if they overachieve? But what do they view as overachieving? Is 10-6 and 6 overachieving? There's a whole barrel of questions of which we will address on further podcasts throughout the summer. But rapid fire. The next note I have is the running back competition appears to be wide open behind Alexander Madison. Interesting to me, though, today, I saw more of Kenny Wongwu with the second team than I saw of, or I'm sorry, with the first team than I saw Ty Chandler, who was mostly working with the second team, and Dwayne McBride is not in this discussion right now. I mean, we I think we all watch the highlight reel and look at his numbers and say, like, oh, Dwayne McBride, interesting. This is a two-man game right now. This can change, mm-hmm. but I think it's Chandler versus Wong Wu. And last year, a lot of us were saying, hey, maybe it's just like he's 4-3. You just toss him the ball or something. But if he went into the offseason and said, all right, I've got to shore up those details that maybe weren't there last year, or they had a uh, meeting of Kevin O'Connell and Kenny Wong Wu, like, dude, you might have a chance here, so you really got to get some of these things right. This guy has the physical potential to be lightning if he can get on the field. And I don't know how this is going to play out, uh, Chandler versus Wangwu, but it seems like there's kind of a battle between those two. Maybe a throwback to the Rock Thomas versus, um, who was it, Mike Boone uh, days. Yep. I think maybe these guys are better. But your thoughts on the running back competition from OTAs and minicamp? I think it's I think it's interesting because you have Alexander Madison, who is not going to just jump in to the Dalvin Cook role. I don't think there's really any chance of him being a true workhouse, workhorse three-down guy. He's going to be the main guy. He's going to be out there quite a bit, and he might catch the ball a decent amount and do certain things. But I just think his skill set, like he's just not at that level where you want him to be in that every-down role. It, it can help a lot of teams across the league that haven't had a Dalvin Cook kind of guy uh, for the last five, six years. They are using running backs by committee and keeping these guys fresh and bringing in different guys with different skill sets to show different looks to defenses. And I think that's what the Vikings are going to do. And you have two guys in Ty Chandler and Kanae Wangwu who both on paper seem to complement Alexander Madison's kind of physical uh, thunder approach. And then they can be the lightning. Now, which one will it be? I've kind of in my head thought that Ty Chandler was just pretty far ahead in that because I like what he did in his rookie preseason last year. Uh, I, I think he had a little bit more experience coming out of college than Kene Wangwu did. Kene Wangwu was really just a backup throughout college, and he's he's still developing as a running back. And Ty Chandler was too until his, his last year at North Carolina. But um, yeah, Kene Wangwu, just from a pure 
physical tools, pure, like with the ball in his hands. Obviously, if you watched him return three kickoffs for touchdowns in the last couple of years, the guy can flat out fly and make people miss. And that aspect of it is really exciting. If you're if you're the Vikings, I think you want to give him every chance to show that he can get on the field. He's got to have to. He's going to have to earn it. And it's going to come down to the details and the nuances of playing running back, right? Which are pass protection and hitting the right hole and you know making the right read, whether to cut it outside or cut back or, or whatever it might be. And um, so. I do think Dwayne McBride, like just from a, a, a reps and from a, a college tape perspective, and like he has a chance down the road to surpass both of those guys in, in the playing the running back position. He's never going to be as athletic as either Chandler or Nwangwu, but right now it's it's those two guys. Uh, McBride is is has a, a long ways to go to enter into that conversation. It's so funny how fast things can change after we watch one practice, but the last practice is the last thing you're going to see for a while. And Wong Wu getting all those first team reps made me go, okay. And then I even looked back at the Kevin O'Connell quote, and he starts it out by saying, with Kenny Wong Wu and Ty Chandler, and obviously the rookie. Yeah. <laughs> I, want, noticed, I noticed yeah, that yesterday yeah. too. He just, he just called him the rookie. The rookie. We want to allow a real competition to take place. We feel there's talented guys behind Alex that could provide roles within our offense, maybe depending on down and distance, depending on situation of the game, we can get some different guys in there. And if you're talking about someone who seems like a situational player, Kenny Wongwu with his speed is just, he's one of those guys where the first time he showed up at camp and they handed him the ball, he just exploded. like, whoa, okay, something, something is there. Um, and him not getting a lot of work in college. Obviously, I mean, and we, we've had a, two years now of we're watching these training camp practices, watching what he can do with the ball. And we're like, you can't find some way to right. get this guy the ball on right. offense, like shovel pass. Yeah, some like two touches a game or something. I don't know. No, totally agree. Yeah, and I I think that maybe if he's proving himself, and this is long way to go, but. Suddenly today, I started to tip my meter over to the maybe Kenny Wongwu does get more opportunity than Ty Chandler. Next thing on my list, Justin Jefferson says he will be at training camp. And I have to say that just in general, the way that Justin Jefferson handled this whole thing, I probably should have come to OTAs. And blaming endorsements is kind of just, come on, man. Like yeah. You could have done your endorsement responsibilities and still come to OTAs. Everybody knows that. But no one cares, okay? No one cares that you didn't come to OTAs. What people care about is training camp. And if you're not going to show up to or mandatory mini camp is, is pretty important, but training camp is the real deal. You don't show up there, then it's a big problem. He was very matter-of-fact about the thing, didn't really answer about his own contract, kind of left it up to his agent, standard handling of such a situation. But I thought that he just poured cold water on hot drama and left it with everyone going, okay, well, I guess we'll just see where this is at. There was a chance for him to say other stuff. Mm -hmm. And Justin Jefferson could say whatever the heck he wants. I mean, he, if he came out and said, pay me, everyone would be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Facts. Show me the money. Right. If he said that, would be fine. But he kind of just handled it in a very matter of fact way. And now I don't think it becomes a huge TV debate topic or big you know, discussion over these summer months. I thought that was good for the organization and going into next year and probably the right way to handle it with so much time between when there's real true pressure to sign an extension. No, I, I agree. I mean, you're right. Like, 
maybe be a team guy, show up to OTAs. Don't don't say you were doing marketing and endorsement stuff, but um, yeah, he's he's he showed up for minicamp. Look, I have an Oakley endorsement as well, Justin. <laughs> and I was and you here were, and you were here every day. And you were here, yeah. Um, no, I mean, yeah, he he handled it well. He he didn't address any of the contract stuff. He said. That's my agent handles that. I'm here to play football. I want to win a Super Bowl. He's, he said the right things. And he also said, I, I, be, I believe the exact way he worded it, somebody asked, are you going to be here for training camp even if you don't have contracts? He's like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll be here. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's good because now it's really not much of a topic anymore, and that doesn't mean it's not going to become a topic again. Uh, it would definitely become a topic instantly if he was not at the first day of training camp. But I don't really expect that to happen. I think – there's a chance he gets a deal done by that point, him and, him and the Vikings and his camp. Um, now they can kind of just engage in discussions and not really have any rush or, or pressure. They've got some time, about six weeks or so, until training camp starts. But if they don't have a deal at that point, it still seems like he's going to be here and he's going to be with his teammates and, and working on trying to get better and get ready for the season. Because, again, it's it's a weird situation where – He's eligible for a contract extension, and he's like one of the best players in the league and the face of your franchise, and thus it makes sense to extend him as soon as possible because the price is probably only going to go up, but they don't have to. It's not like he's entering into a contract year like TJ Hawkinson or Daniel right. Hunter or, or whatever. Like He's got two more years left on the rookie contract if you count the fifth-year option. So, yeah, it, it's, it's something that would make sense for them to want to get done, but... It's not like there's there's no real super urgent ticking clock here. And trust me, we will tell you when to press the panic yeah. button. That is one thing we know how to do, uh, and we have said and it. We raised it a, a little before. bit uh, yeah. earlier in this this off season, but now we can we can turn it off and put it aside for now. Patience, yeah, that's the word that's going to continue to come up, and I think we'll know. You will, I don't know, like there's probably situations in life like this where you just know. <laughs> and when it feel, if it feels like it's going bad, you'll know. Uh, next note, nobody knows how long Daniil Hunter's situation is going to play out. Agree? Agree. Comments. Are we, your, are we? Your thoughts. <laughs> well, I, yes. Yeah, should I, should I elaborate on that? No, I, it, that, it, that one is just really strange and Kevin O'Connell talked about it a little bit and kind of gave the the boilerplate. We're trying to be solution oriented and we'll keep dialogue open. And that's what he said about Dalvin Cook and Zedaria Smith. And now they're not here. But I think the Daniel Hunter thing is a little different. I mean, he also did say somebody asked him, "Is there is there a scenario where he's back?" And he said, "Yeah, I think that's a real possibility." And I agree that it's a real possibility because Daniel Hunter is not like so many of the other guys that have left this offseason in that he's been here for a long time. He plays a premium position. He's really, really good. He's still just 28 years old. Like, he's he's not 32. So, I mean, we, we've talked about this. It's just going to come down to how much does Daniel Hunter want? Does that number make sense for the Vikings this year and for the next few years, however long the term would be? And then how much could they potentially get back in a trade? And if if you're talking about Daniel Hunter wants $26 million a year, but you got this team over here offering you a second and a fourth and a future fifth, it's just it's just something you really got to consider. You get, you have to be solution-oriented and take in all the options and, and make make decide what the best one is. And I don't think the best one is going to be giving him – just a blank check like he, that Justin Jefferson you get the blank check Daniel Hunter 
sorry, you're older and you missed some time with injuries and you don't get the blank check. So if, if this can work out with them, with both sides, then I think there's a chance he's back. But I, I, the orig- to the original point, I have no idea how long this goes, when this gets resolved, if it gets messy when training camp rolls around. You ever hear, I don't know if this is a common phrase, but uh, I heard somebody once say that the truth always comes after the word but. And I think in here, in Kevin O'Connell's comments, the truth comes after the word but. He says, I definitely see it as a real outcome, meaning returning, Hunter returning. But there's a lot to be determined there, and I want to be sensitive to allowing that process to play out for both our organization and for Daniil. And I think the words, there's a lot to be determined there, Mm -hmm. is kind of where this thing stands. I don't read that necessarily as saying that it's he's going to be gone or necessarily that he's going to be here, but it seems like there's a lot to be determined there means are you going to cave or not? That that seems to be how uh Quasi is playing things. I mean, like it seems to be a little bit of like hardball here mm-hmm. and I don't mind that approach that he's going to play that way, but when he says there's a lot to be determined there, it just feels like hey, are you going to take what we want to give you or are you going to force our hand? And those are the only two ways that this can go. I don't know that, and and of course, don't know behind the scenes. I don't know that they're really negotiating at this point with these guys that they have moved on from. It's basically like take it or leave it. And I think for where they stand, you can act that way. I agree. I mean, I think they have a plan. They have a time horizon and they have all this stuff that they consider in the salary cap for this year and for 2024 and 2025. And all right, Daniel Hunter, we can, we can fit you in. You are a very good player at a premium position. We can fit you in at this price here. Here's what we're willing to offer you. If you want to take that and, and, and come back, be happy to have you. I think you'd do great in Brian Flores defense. If you're going to hold out for more than that, then well, we'll wait and we'll we'll field the best offer and and we'll see what happens there. I I agree. I think that that there's a real chance that that is the way that they're handling things, and I don't disagree with that approach. You have to you have to make hard decisions, and they've shown a total willingness to do that so far this offseason. This one, as we've said, would be a different level of all right. This is real now. This is this is a rebuild. This this defense is going to have zero pass rush, um, but. I think I think there's more there's more important stuff than uh, having one guy here or not on the defense this year when you're not a really a Super Bowl team. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. 
Folks, I've been wearing Oakley's now for a few weeks, and let me tell you, there is a reason that Justin Jefferson and a bunch of other football players wear these things. Because they are awesome. I've got the matte black prism sapphire polar sunglasses on, and I've been doing all sorts of summer things with them. I've been hitting golf balls in the water, jogging, playing basketball, getting sunburned, but my eyes are in good shape. I have been missing out on this experience for a long time. They are so comfortable. I can wear them all day and never get tired of having them on. Oakley is changing the game and it's time for you to discover a whole new world of possibilities with your eyewear. They are suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses, allowing you for to be an extension of yourself, an expression of your personality more than meets the eye. So make a sunglasses upgrade now at oakley.com. Oakley offers prism lens technology. And what the heck is that, you ask? Well, I'm looking through it right now. It is a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. If you want to know more, and I know you do, go to oakley.com and do your own research. And while you're at it, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that will be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Try it for yourself. I've worn sunglasses in the past, and I can assure you that Oakley is the best looking and best quality out there. So go on over to oakley.com for more information today. Oakley, express your style and build a look that's made for you. It's wild to watch them hit the bags. Like that's what they do in warmups. They go over in the defensive line and hit the bags. When they used to walk by us, it was like Everson Griffin, Daniil, Zadarius in previous years, Linval, and you'd just be like, Man, got some beasts there. Doesn't feel that way now. Dalvin Tomlinson, Does, Michael Del- Pierce. Oh my gosh. Dalvin yeah. Tomlinson's like the hugest man of all time. Yeah. And you'd just be like, Whoa, Linval, Joseph. And uh there's there's some mountains that are walking by you at that point. Doesn't feel that way as much so far uh, right now. Mark Davenport's a big guy. They got they got Harrison Phillips and Marcus Davenport right now, and that's they sure do. And then it thins out really quick. Yeah, and I think with all due respect, those guys are not Linval and Thomas. No, you know no. what I mean? Like those, those not guys just size, but there's like a mystique to an Everson Griffin. It's yeah. like look at that guy. Those guys know? are the like you'd like them to be your your nice complimentary pieces, not your. Uh, your stars that you're relying on. So you're five to 600 snaps yeah. type of guys. Yeah. Um, all right. Lewis scene will likely begin camp as a backup. And I wrote likely, but I don't think I need likely will begin camp as a backup. We've talked about this a little bit. Now it's over with mini camp and today didn't change anything. Still the same guys. Um, We've talked about when to kind of push the panic button on that one. This might just be a situation that never comes to fruition, or it might be one where we're like, whoa, okay, he really emerged in training camp. But it's definitely notable that he went through this whole thing Mm -hmm. and was never the guy out there next to Harrison Smith. So he is clearly starting behind Cam Bynum and Josh Metellus. Yeah, there's no no doubt about it. I mean, we this is why we're here. We, We... not only to kind of look at what happens on the field, but just as importantly, or probably more importantly, is who is playing with which unit and how often are they playing getting those reps. And yeah, it's it's been Harrison Smith and Cam Bynum at safety, and then it's been like Josh Metellus playing 
everywhere all over the field and getting a ton of reps and, and playing some um, just standard safety, but a lot of like lining up in the box and, and coming up on the edge in a pressure look and, and roving in the, in the nickel and doing all these different things. And I think that's a fascinating storyline, but there's not been a lot of Lewis seen with the first unit. And he did have an interception today with, with the two. So that was good for him. But I think, I mean, I even look beyond that. I don't know. You may have had this written down, but the whole 2022 draft class on defense to me is really interesting and you have one guy out of those there's a big four of, of defensively you have one guy who's running with the ones right now and that's a Caleb Evans I'm getting and, to the other guy later so don't okay. go uh, too far okay but I, I'll just say it's it's it is interesting to me that you have seen you have Andrew Booth and you have Brian Osamoa and they're all with the twos right now and and not getting really any type of reps with the ones so though I'm I'm just I'm going to be paying attention to all three of those guys very closely uh, when training camp comes, because you'd like to think that at least two of those would be take would be emerging and forcing their way into the starting lineup this year based on on draft pedigree. Yeah, I got to tell you, I didn't even write down the Brian Asamoah thing, but he's not with the ones either. And, and and I feel and that's a mistake on my part. I should have because it's been Troy Reader. And if you're saying who is Troy Reader, I know, yeah. right? Like what? But is this so? Here, here's why I, I didn't. Maybe I put it in a different category in my mind. In the, like, is he is Troy Reader like Jesse Davis or something? I know to take Cam Bynum seriously because he won the job last year. Mm-hmm. But when they had Jesse Davis playing over Ed Ingram in minicamp, like, okay, well, I don't know that Jesse Davis is taking that job. That's how it feels with Troy Reader. I, I guess I was less into the, like, oh, what if it doesn't happen? But it should be, right? I mean, it should be happening that Brian Asamoa should be considered as a centerpiece potentially of the defense based on the small sample and how he was talked about. If he's not starting and Scene's not starting and Booth Jr. isn't starting, we got ourselves like a 2016 Vikings draft on our hands. Yeah. And I think that by the, the end of the second year, you should see all of these guys on the field if they're going to actually do something. Yeah, it's this is such a big year for that draft class because you had the one guy who played every snap last year was the worst guard in football, so he needs to take a big step forward. And then all these defensive guys just need to get on the field. And I, I will order them in terms of how confident I am in their abilities and their role this year. I think one is a Caleb Evans. I think he's I think he's a starting cornerback for this team. I just I think with what you saw from him last year his combination of size and speed and the traits, and he just seems to be in the right position when you watch minicamp practices and, um, and and fans will come out to training camp and, and just watch 21. Like he, he looks like he has significant potential if he can avoid concussions. So I, I have him at one. I have Brian Asamoah too. So I'm not overly worried about Brian Asamoah just yet, but not getting a ton of reps over Troy Reed. I do actually think he, now that I think about it, I think he's mixed in with the ones a little bit, maybe more in sevens than in elevens. But um, yeah, I think Troy Reader. Just you look at what he did with the Rams and Chargers and whatever. I think he's a he's a placeholder kind of guy. Um, three would be, I think I think three would be Andrew Booth. I, I'm kind of torn between Scene and Booth there, which. You know, it, it's not great that those were the top two picks, and right. the two guys I'm I have ahead of them were a late second round pick, or no, an early third round pick, and then a fourth round pick. But that's just kind of the reality of the way I've I've observed things. I think I would put, um, I think I'd put Booth three, and I think I'd put Scene four. But they're really cl- those two are are really interchangeable. And I will say, it's it's still early June. It's mini camp. 
as we've said, it's not time to panic yet, but just we're just setting the context here for when training camp rolls around. Don't be surprised if we start raising some uh, some red flags about this. For those F1 fans, it's kind of like when they do the qualifying. Mm-hmm. So this is like the qualifying. And the qualifying, and we could talk about the corners now, uh, but the qualifying is that you have Andrew Booth Jr. not qualifying as the, the, the front runner right now. It's Makai Blackman, who's getting a lot more work yeah. out there. And that it's not Lewis Seaton who's the front runner at the, at the pole. That doesn't mean you lost the race, but it does mean you start the race behind. And I wonder what you think of the Makai Blackman getting as many or probably now more reps at the one than um, Andrew Booth Jr. Does that say more about Blackman being instantly like in there and showing some ability to them or more about Andrew Booth Jr. and just not feeling like that's happening at the moment? I don't know. I, I would, I would, I would love to, uh, get an unfiltered uh, answer from Durante Jones or Brian Flores about that. But I think, I think you, as with everything, like the thing about training camp is, you know, somebody makes a big play and you're like, Oh, that's good for him. But Oh, maybe not, not maybe not great for the guy that that came at the expense of. It's, it's hard to know whether it's who it says more about. Um, I think if you want to take the optimistic view, you could say, all right, Makai Blackman, this guy came in as a rookie and didn't even take him until training camp to start running with the ones. I mean, this this was both days of minicamp dating back to the kind of some of the OTAs that we got to see where the three cornerbacks are Makai Blackman, Byron Murphy, and Caleb Evans. And I think you could choose to say that that says a lot of good things about Makai Blackman. This is a guy who PFF absolutely loved what he did last year at USC. Granted, he was in like his sixth year of college football. Yeah. And so maybe a slight, a age, slight age advantage. So were a lot of people in college football. Um but played really well, had good tape, ball skills, um, just man-to-man coverage, all of these traits that you look for. And he's he's like 24 years old. He's older than Justin Jefferson. So he's a guy who – rookie cornerbacks, we, we always say, it takes time for them, and it's a hard position to start at from day one. If there's ever a guy that – I mean, he's got the age and he's got the kind of lack of proven – competition around him I think there's I think there's a chance he's a starting cornerback day one you could also look at it as all right Andrew Booth who's been here for an extra year that's not great but we'll see let's we'll 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 let's give this a chance to play out um over camp and and preseason I would also factor in that Brian Flores seems to have played a big role in who they drafted and he did not draft Andrew Booth Jr., That's but true. he did draft Makai Blackman. That is true. And he may feel that Blackman is a better fit because they understand details that we don't and that the draft analysts don't of how certain people are going to play in a specific scheme. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of explained to, I say me, but us, we were in the same room when it was explained about how NFL teams do not have a 400-player board. They have like... 30 guys they'd be comfortable with drafting and they know approximately where they're going to be but they have narrowed it down or at least the way that this team does it they have narrowed it down to the guys that they have identified and when they got blackman they like celebrate i know that oh everybody celebrates when they get a kicker they celebrate (laughs) but when you watch that back like they were nervous they weren't going to get him and then they end up getting him so they were excited about him and then if he comes out picks up the defense well and that could just leave the other guy in the dust and these these teams think less 
and the coaching staffs don't think at all. I I don't think about where you were drafted. It's like you're just a guy on the team mm-hmm. to Brian Flores, and if he doesn't fit as well, then he doesn't fit as well. But somebody who does fit, and I am very very interested to see what Josh Metellus does for this defense. And I I'm gonna try to start a thing. I'm try to start a thing here. Okay. I want to call him Joker Metellus. Because in college football, they have a lot of these guys who kind of move around, do different things. They're hybrids. And sometimes they call them like the Joker role. Mm-hmm. Or there's, you know, there's the, the star is another one. Star, there's like 50 yeah. different teams Rover, have it based yeah. on their own. So it'd be like the Husky or something, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. They have it. But that's one way to call it would be the, the Joker role. So I, I think, being that his name is Josh, Joker Metellus, we saw him on the field all the time in all sorts of different places. And I think he's like the perfect Brian Flores player. Oh, I agree. I, I think it's it's absolutely one of the, if not the single most kind of intriguing thing about this whole phase of the OTAs and minicamp is just you, you look up and, and 44 is in a different place than he was the last play and he's moving around pre-snap and he's doing all these different things, working in tandem with Harrison Smith and, and the linebackers and the other uh, guys in the secondary and... Yeah, it's it's a cool story. I mean, this is a guy who was a sixth round pick, who is like a legitimate star safety in college. If you if you look at his Michigan numbers, um, great player in the Big Ten. I think it was ath- maybe athletic limitations that caused him to fall, and maybe maybe a little bit of like, is he a tweener? Is he what what is he? Um, but you can answer that question, and that can be a good thing sometimes. And and having the versatility to to do a bunch of different things, and then he barely played um, on defense his first couple years. Uh, instantly was one of the most important special teams players on, yep. on the team. I mean, um, I think each of his three seasons, he's been top three in special team snaps on the roster and, and blocked punts and fumble recoveries and do it. Like he had, last year, I forgot about that. He blocked a punt two games in a row at the yeah. end of the year, uh, Giants and, and, and Packers. Um, so really, really good special teams player. Also clearly a guy who his teammates really respect. They voted him as the ninth captain when Brian O'Neill got hurt. But now in his contract year, there is, for the first time, a real opportunity for him to be a 400, kind of 500 snap guy, potentially. Even if he doesn't have this defined, like, mm-hmm. I'm a starting safety or I'm a starting slot corner or whatever, it just seems like they're going to find ways to get him on the field. And he did play, I think, 200, 250 defensive snaps last year and, and played well. He sealed that that Lions game in Week 3 right. with an interception. Um, I think he started again against the Lions later in the year and then in that last Bears game. But, yeah, he's, he's a really – it's a cool story of kind of a slow burn development here. And I agree. He seems like with what he can do, um, not just athletically, but kind of instinctively and, and um, with his intelligence and, uh, and versatility, it just seems like a great Brian Flores DB. The next thing I have, total uh... – different conversation from Brian Flores' defense, but Jordan Addison did not participate at all in this entire thing. Watch from the sideline. He supposedly will be healthy to start training camp. Uh, why don't, why don't you do a little concern meter concern meter of uh, blue is nothing. Yellow is a little something. Orange is uh, pretty concerned. And red is obviously completely freaking out. Okay. Um, I would put it in the yellow. Um, which is like the second to least concern. I wouldn't say it was blue or, or green or whatever, where it's uh, 
not something I'm thinking about at all. And I'm like, oh, he'll be fine because it's it's one thing to miss camp with an injury if you're just like a normal sized wide receiver. It's another to miss camp with an injury when you are a very small wide receiver. And that was kind of maybe one of the reasons why the three teams that also pick wide receivers right in front of you maybe didn't take you. Um, and that is not, again, a knock on Jordan Ass. It's just part of kind of the evaluation. It's part of yep. the, his his situation coming into the league. I do think, like, talent-wise, route-running-wise, all that, I think the Vikings potentially made a really good pick. And I think a couple teams in front of them potentially messed up by taking different wide receivers. But he has to stay on the field for that to happen. And he missed a couple games last year at USC with an ankle thing. That I don't believe we know what he's dealing with right now. I don't. I think we don't. I think it's completely undisclosed the nature of his injury, but it's enough that it was something that flared up in rookie minicamp. It was enough to keep him out. I believe all all through OTAs yep. and, and, and minicamp, not a single one um, in the the five or six practices we saw, and then we can assume that he didn't in any of the ones we didn't see. But yeah, it's if if he is indeed healthy by training camp, and 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 it's true that. You know what Kevin O'Connell said that they're just being extra cautious with him. Then fine, we're we're okay. But it's uh, it's it's something to at least monitor. I have no reason to doubt Kevin O'Connell's. Uh, no, he's been good comments. with with yeah. um, telling us about injuries yes, for the most part. Yes, but he is not a. He doesn't have a crystal ball, as Mike Zimmer once said, and it's just it's only concerning because. that he's small and when rookies come in a lot of times they've been through a lot like their bodies have been through a lot we saw Mm. this with Derisaw where Derisaw had had a surgery and then you know you have not only do these guys go through the combine but they have to go through a whole other process before the combine to train for the combine so he was going from a season where he was banged up a little bit to training for the combine to doing the combine to getting here. So that's a whole lot of mileage on your body. And I think they all talk about this, that rookie year is the longest year of your life. So kind of if you could survive that, you're you're good. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if there are some lingering effects of whatever it is. Not knowing what it is makes it harder to guess, but someone who is undersized and has had some injuries leading up to this, that's not at all to say he won't just be fine in training camp and it'll all be good. But the last couple of guys we've seen that were drafted who were very thin, they all had injuries. And again, that's not me trying to predict it either. It's just, it, it kind of makes you go, Ooh, I don't know. Like, is that going to be a thing? Because Cam Dantzler, the needle, like, well, the, the needle was uh, on the shelf a lot. Mm-hmm. And, Andrew Booth Jr., the same thing. Uh, And when you look at Jordan Addison out there, and he doesn't look like this when he plays football in college. He's dominant in college. But when you look at him on an NFL field, I don't know that I've seen anyone smaller uh, that's not a kicker or a punter. And a lot of times the kickers and punters are much bigger than him. The, The Vikings kicker is much bigger than him. Much bigger. He's a jacked kicker. But, I mean, and the punter is much bigger than most human beings. But, like... That's that's all. That's not I like still like the pick. Still think he's got a great chance to be a good really good NFL player, but I think there is a level of okay, let's just kind of keep an eye on this thing and see if that becomes a thing. Uh let me really rapid fire through some of these less consequential ones. Okay. Nick Mullins very much QB2. We learned that this week. Yeah, I, he, these he, weeks. He wasn't very good today, but Darren Hall is not going to 
take his uh, spot there. Yeah, Jaron Hall wasn't working with the twos at all. Don't expect him we to. Haven't, I haven't really gotten, even gotten to see Jaron Hall because when he does take reps, he's like on the backfield while the starters are also playing, and it's it's hard to watch that. But, yeah, I don't think there's any uh, any question there. Uh, Jalen no, Naylor? No Sean Mannion, Kellen Mond right. drama here. <laughs> Jalen Naylor, a winner of this, but also along Tristan Jackson, I think with the two receiver winners. And uh, maybe Thayer the Slayer Thomas. would be the, Well, you'd be the deep, deep sleeper to, to keep an eye on. But, yeah, Jalen Naylor, clearly wide receiver four, in position to benefit if Jordan Addison were to miss time at any point. Um, and then, yeah, Tristan Jackson, standout, I would, I would say. Maybe not cracking the roster, but I feel a lot better about his chances of doing that than I did a couple months ago. And there appears to be, as of today, a kicking competition. But the last time we thought that in OTAs and minicamp, they cut the guy right after. So I don't. I don't, know. I don't think there's any. You don't think there's a kicking no. competition? It's Greg Joseph's job. No. So last year, the guy was Gabe Burkich, who just had a cool mustache. I remember, but yeah, he didn't even make it to training camp. I don't know if this Jack Jack Podlesny from Georgia. I don't know if he makes it to training camp because we we're we we're standing there. Ready to go, go walk over to uh, the the podium and hear from Kirk Cousins, and uh, he was he was shanking quite a few of uh, kicks wide left. So I don't think I don't think Greg. It makes sense that you bring in you bring a guy in because Greg Joseph isn't you know Justin Tucker. He led the league in kicks missed last year, but um, I don't think he's really in much danger of losing this job. I don't think so either. Um, but I did think maybe because he missed. Some kicks last year, quite a few, especially on the extra points, that they would at least have a legitimate competitor for him. Yeah. But I don't know if it's this guy. And um, and they could certainly bring in another. If if they decide this guy maybe isn't it, you could bring somebody else in for camp. But Weirdly, there's like some USFL kickers that are crushing it this year in the USFL. I mean, I'm not joking. No, I, not I believe joke. you. It's real. Uh, but there are, there are some USFL kickers who are doing really well, and there's no difference between kicking there and kicking in the NFL could be a little more projectable. Although fans being at the games is sorry, USFL. Yeah, it's a tough true. ride. Atmosphere tough ride. And, and stakes, maybe. Yeah, definitely. Pr- pressure. Well, you know, it's still a game, but yeah. atmosphere is certainly different. But I think there will be a kicking competition of some kind, but I don't really know. I mean, they haven't said anything about it. And they seem to want to really pat Greg Joseph on the back and make him feel good. And uh, Jack Pudlesny did that today by missing field goals. So yeah. I don't know. I wrote down kicking competition question mark. I, uh, yeah, I don't think so. I actually, I have an unrelated question for you. Oh, sure. Because um, we were talking a while ago, or not a while ago, but recently about who will have more catches between KJ Osborne and Jordan Addison. Yeah. Um, which is an interesting one. But I have, I have another one that I, that just popped into my head today. Who will have more catches this season between Jalen Naylor and Josh Oliver? Oh, I like that. So Josh Oliver had like 14 last year yeah. and Naylor had nine. Yeah, something like that. So this would probably depend on whether you think Jordan Addison stays healthy for it, the that, entire season. That is yeah. the topic that uh, made me think of this question again, yes. I'm going to say Naylor. I think Naylor does. Okay. I think Josh Oliver ends up with about the same amount of catches. They do have the uh, the bootlegs that kind of run that second tight end underneath. Mm-hmm. He is an absolute house of a human being. He's so big. It's ridiculous yeah. how freaking big this guy is. 
Uh, we were that was a sideline discussion. We were like, is he the biggest tight end the Vikings have ever had? He's not, but maybe Mike Tice actually back in the day was. But there's very few tight ends bigger than him in the league. No, he's like bigger than Kyle Rudolph, which is yes. a large human as no, too. No question about it. And I guess I just think that there's limitations to that, mm-hmm. uh, where he could be underneath, he could get in the end zone a time or two, but I still don't see on a team that has Hawkinson, Jefferson, just even those two guys and Osborne, there being a lot of footballs that go his way. But if somebody gets banged up, Naylor's right there. And I think that even if Hawkinson gets banged up, I don't know how much Josh Oliver is just sliding right into yeah. his role, right? So, no, I think they would just then pivot to excuse me, more three and four wide receiver stuff. I I do think I would go Oliver, though. Think so? Yeah. yeah. You, you don't think that this Naylor thing is real? No, no, I do. And I'm, I'm, it's not because I don't believe in Jalen Naylor. I do. I think he's, I think he looks good. Oh, those are the most mini camp words I've ever heard. It's not that I don't believe in Jalen Naylor. I do. <laughs> no, I, I, I do. To, within, you I don't know, know within the do. boundaries of, of uh, being like a number four receiver or something. But I just think... Oliver, the guaranteed snaps are are there a lot more than they are yeah. for Naylor, and it really, I mean, it just depends on if if one of the top three receivers, and we are putting Jordan Addison in that for sure, if one of them gets hurt. But I just think Josh Oliver, they, he's going to be out there a lot. They're going to run really? a lot of yeah. because he's such an important blocker. They're going to run a lot of two tight end stuff, and then he'll catch Will the they? little. I'm skeptical. You you're skeptical? Well, I I think he'll catch a lot of those little like Johnny Munt flat yeah. routes when when they roll out and and he was um i mean west phillips talked about this a little bit he was like a big receiving guy coming out of college i don't think he was quite as massive as he is now then but there's just when you do this for enough years and i know you've done that for years but i just feel like i hear some version of this every year and it's not exactly the same but it's sort of mm-hmm. it's just like well they're gonna run more two tight ends sort of sounds like they're gonna have three safeties like that sounds good, and you want to say that, but I don't know. And they did pay him money, so that could be the case. But are we going to have a tiger change his stripes with what Kevin O'Connell has always done, which is three wide receivers? And that's my skepticism. I've also wondered if Josh Oliver was a hedge toward Hawkinson's future. If Hawkinson doesn't want to sign, like, yeah. do they get a guy that might be something who has playing experience? Like, let the other team develop your tight end for you. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, that's everything I have, but before we wrap on this and, uh, we'll probably get together again before camp. I'm sure we will. What do you think? Like, what do you think? What do you think of this 2023 Minnesota Vikings? Kind of your last snapshot of them before going to training camp. Yeah, I think it's, it is a, a really intriguing team in a, a really intriguing position because, they still are sort of in the middle, and and they've taken more steps um, this offseason than any of the last few, for sure, in resetting and, and, and almost rebuilding. I don't know if you can quite use that word yet. But at the same time, you can still kind of talk yourself into, within the context of this division, Within the context of the high-end offensive talent and Justin Jefferson and Darrison Hawkinson, all these guys, of them, of them potentially being better than than they were last year, but winning fewer games because you know one score regression and all that, and, and that's kind of how I felt, um, like post draft, post free agency, when the schedule was coming out and all that, 
I think maybe losing Zadarius Smith and Dalvin Cook changes things a little bit, although the Dalvin Cook one seemed inevitable for a long time. But I still think there's 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 quite possibly something here mm-hmm. with with Kevin O'Connell and uh, what this offense can be, potentially a top eight type of unit. And then I just I'm just curious to see. I, to me, Brian Flores, with the way everybody talks about him on defense and offense, like. This guy is this guy's a wizard of defense with uh, what he's able to do with all these chess pieces and um, put guys in different positions and you know simulated looks and pressures and and all these exotic things and so I'm just excited to see in training camp a who earns their way into the field defensively but then can Brian Flores almost alone take this from being one of the worst defenses in the league to being like 18th and if so you got a recipe I think to be in almost every ball game, even against the really good teams on your schedule. And also maybe just being a little faster as a group could play into that as well mm-hmm. or not. And that to me is everything you just said, you could take apart one thing at a time and come up with five wins. I mean, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen. And the truth could be somewhere in the middle, but the variance for last year I thought was higher than it had been before because it was like, I don't want to write off the possibility, but their schedule that they could be really good. And they, they were, Mm -hmm. and that's how I feel now, but not really good, but instead really bad. Like, (laughs) I don't want to write off the idea that they could be really bad. I thought there was almost no chance that they were going to be really bad last year. It was either going to be like pretty good or wow. Like better than we even thought this year. It's they could be pretty good or they could be really bad. And that's really the only way this could go. And uh, I'm interested to see which way it goes. And we will begin that process in training camp. And we'll talk before then for sure when things yep. come up. Could be emergency pods with Daniel Hunter's situation. Who knows? But greatly appreciate, Will, uh, all of your appearances here inside TCO Performance Center. Sometimes different Sometimes locations. Sometimes outside TCO Performance yep, Center. Yep. But after the mosquito incident... <laughs> Uh, we've been inside. They unlocked these then. doors for us, which was nice. Also, I'm not entirely sure it's safe to podcast outside with like the weather, with the oh, the air quality, the or air not. quality. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't know. It doesn't say podcasters are in danger of <laughs> podcasting outside, but maybe. Um, I guess it was fine enough to have Vikings practice. Anyway, well, thanks for your time, Will, and yeah. uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. It's been good.